The business super conference that all of you need to be at is finally here. Tickets have dropped to the original VFriends holders but are now available to buy. Uh, I have a link in my bio for the people that have never bought an NFT but want to come because they've heard that Busta Rhymes and Deepak Chopra and Steve Bartlett and all these people are speaking. Go to vcon.co, C-O, drop the M, to see what's going on there. But the link in my bio has a site that we have on VCon that will let you fill it out and will help you get a ticket to our super conference, May 18th to the 20th in Indianapolis, Indiana. The conference is bananas. The 50 speakers I'm about to announce, bananas. This is the huge super business, pop culture and innovation conference. I want everybody in my community to be there. So link in bio or click here because the team is using this in all sorts of formats to make sure you get to Indy in May for the super business conference of the year. I hope to see all of you there. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. And before this episode starts, I just wanna remind you to please leave your comments for today's episode in the Spotify Q&A section down below. But also tweet Gary your feedback at Gary V and let him know what you thought about today's episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. How is everybody? Um, Thank you, thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm very excited to be here. Regardless of what everyone is trying to accomplish in this room, in their careers right now, we are all required to try to achieve one very important thing, which is nobody, nobody here is gonna be able to accomplish their goals unless they're able to communicate their message and get someone to do something. This is professionally and personally, if you are unable to communicate or have your information consumed, what you're trying to achieve is not going to happen. More importantly, if you are unable to do it, someone else is gonna do it and they're gonna charge you for it. The reason so many people outside are in an infrastructure of affiliate referral fees and rev share is because they've been incapable or incapable of creating the demand themselves, thus they must pay to get a customer. This is something I think about constantly. This is why Google is one of the biggest companies in the world. It is a toll booth to get to a product because search is a utility in our society and allows people to find what they're looking for and thus they're able to refer fee. And this is something that I wanna ground today's conversation in because for the people in this room that have not made the commitment to building a communications infrastructure for their business, this could be the single and most important conversation you can have. In plain English, what I'm saying is if you are not producing content, information on an everyday basis, at the highest level of output to your financial and creative capabilities, you are leaving opportunity on the table on a daily basis. There is a battle out there for attention and more importantly, the actual product and service because of the way technology is going is more of the commodity and the ability to get people to understand your product is more of the value prop. This is a humongous shift in consumer behavior and business from the last 50 years. 
the speed in which one can create a product, whether it's a physical or digital item, that is on par with the competitive landscape is staggering today compared to 25 years ago. The understanding to how to create demand for that product is the variable of current success. There are platforms outside that basically are enabling individuals to white label a game or a product overnight. There's a reason Shopify and WordPress and these platforms are very big companies. They've commoditized what used to not be a commodity. In 1997, when I built winelibrary.com for my dad's liquor store, it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for something basic. Today, Shopify, for a couple of dollars a month, does 100 times what my website did 20 years ago. Outside, in all those booths, there's unlimited platforms that commoditize the thing. Even today, 18 months after I launched BeFriends, there's platforms that would allow me to mint and create an NFT project that cost a fraction in time and money to execute what I did 18 months ago. What we have to understand is technology, and don't even get me started on what's going on with artificial intelligence. Technology is moving faster than a lot of us. It's creating a very important conversation that everybody here has to leave with, which is the following. You can tell me how awesome your game is. You can tell me how epic your technology is. And I'll explain to you how in 12 months, that advantage will be commoditized by a platform company if it hasn't already been. What I hope that everybody leaves this talk with today is understanding where the commodity is not, where there is an opportunity to build growth, and that is called modern branding. What outside of this tent is doing very well is math. There's a lot of good math out there. There's a lot of good math out there. What it's not able to do and what the world continues to struggle with is art. Art is different. Art is not as scalable. Art is not black and white. The art that connects every person in this room, regardless of their agenda, as a need to grow in whatever your ambition is, is the ability to produce pictures and videos and write written words to compel somebody who sees it to do whatever you want them to do. Sign up, buy, refer, expand your message. We are living through a time where most people do not understand how to actually do modern marketing or modern art properly. We're also living in a time where everyone is looking for scale and automation, which means scale but not depth. The amount of people that are actually committed to building meaningful relationships with their customers is almost non-existent in the hyperbole of innovation, automation, technology. So what's interesting to me is the last 20 years, it seemingly looked like the people that had the advantages were the ones that invested in automation and scale and technology. 
And that's what we saw happen. What's happening now is because the cat is out of the bag and everybody understands that, that starts to over time become the commodity. And the advantage becomes the things that are not automated, that are not technology-based, they're human-based. This will be accelerated dramatically with AI, dramatically. Soon everybody's white paper or presentations are gonna look the same because they're all gonna use the same technology. But the inputs from the human level become the variable. When I think about why in the world are the human beings that are sitting in front of me right now, why are you even here? Why are you here? The majority are here to advance your professional life. You're here for your business to grow, you're here for you to grow within the company, you're here for advancement of your professional life. You would like it to be better. What fascinates me is that while we spend a lot of time on many things, the lack of commitment overall on becoming great at making pictures and videos and written words work on the seven to 10 platforms that have the world's attention fascinates me. The subconscious of this room thinking they're doing social media when they're not fascinates me. The companies outside that spend unbelievable amounts of marketing in math but very little in art. In a world of referral fees and CAC, customer acquisition costs, it is fascinating how many people don't invest at all in creating relevance or brand, which would immediately drive down your cost of customer acquisition and affiliate. It would give you back leverage that you don't have to pay to an affiliate infrastructure that charges you 50% of the revenue. This is extremely important to this room and this industry. We are consistently underperforming in building brand and social to then only pay more money to get customers. Every day we are thrilled to spend dollars and split the big with an affiliate or a referral but we won't take those same dollars and invest them into making four TikToks a day or six LinkedIn posts or take advantage of the fact that Facebook Reels right now is grossly underpriced. And so what I wanna leave this talk with is the following. A reframing of strategy for the influencers, the entrepreneurs, the startups, and the big companies in this room, which is modern contemporary companies that are digitally focused, like the ones outside here, which represent all of you, are incredibly strong at technology and math, but are wildly under-delivering on the current state of marketing in our world. And that variable added to what you already do well actually gives you the leverage you're looking for in a million different ways. If you're raising capital, it's a hell of a lot better that you have brand and are known or have some consumer demand, not just what your numbers look like on your Excel or Proforma. When you are doing very heavy math-based marketing and converting, 
the more consumers that have actually heard of your business outside of the ad or the affiliate will convert at a much higher level, thus driving down your cost of customer acquisition. Taking a step back for everyone who's sitting here, very simply put, no matter how big or small your company is in this room, I believe that most of the companies, companies in this room need to be producing somewhere in the ballpark of 15 to 30 social media posts a day. 15 to 30 a day. Across Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube Shorts, and on and on. The reality is, is the reason I believe this to be true is because of the single biggest elephant in the room right now, which is for the last decade, for the last decade, the amount of strategy that has gone into the pictures and videos that are posted daily by companies in social media has been very low. The reason so many people continue to underestimate social media is because most people that do it don't have a strong enough strategy to defend or define why it's valuable to a business. When you post good morning on Twitter, it's nice, but how overtly strategic is it? It's okay, but it can't be your post for the day. What we continue to have, similar to what we had in the 1960s with television. I'm gonna give you a very good history lesson. Somewhere around the mid-1960s, there was a small group of very big companies in the US that realized there was a lot more opportunity on television if they were smarter about it, and if they ran those ads aggressively with thought, mascots, taglines, more often during shows that were watched more often, that their businesses would grow. Today, the biggest consumer products in the world continue to be brands that strategically invested properly on television from the 1960s to 1980s. We find ourselves in a very similar place with social media today. What excites me to no end is looking at all the faces in this room, this is literally, as we sit here today, I'm very aware of how much negativity is in the world across the board, yet, as we sit here today, both for your businesses or your personal life, there has never been more opportunity for everyone in this room than there is right this second. The reason is because so few people have figured out how to play this matrix of attention properly. There are still a shocking small amount of people on Earth. Millions, but remember there's eight billion people on Earth. There are a couple of million people that have really figured out how to do media and creative on the eight social networks that have the world's attention to extract that attention and deploy it against their business needs. But this leaves still plenty of room for tens of millions of people and companies to come in and do it properly. We have another 10, 15, 20 years maybe while the big companies continue to misunderstand what the opportunity is. This begs the question that I'm most interested in to an audience like this in the sector that's out there. How many people in here have the bravery or, like I like to think, 
the common sense to instead do the easy and the lazy and continue to run the same blueprint based on affiliate and math and ads based on math. How many people are ready to make the jump to the art that is required for substantial growth? This is the question in this room. The question is, do people actually realize what I've been talking about for the last 15 minutes? How real is it to you? The problem is what I mentioned five minutes ago. Many of you have posted on social media daily. Many of you have been around the last 15 years and have watched this all grow. Many of you have posted for businesses or for yourself. The reality is, are you good at it? What's confusing to people is, unlike many other things in our life, marketing, specifically social media marketing, confuses people where they think if they're doing it, they're doing it well. What's amazing about sports is nobody is confused if they're good or bad in basketball. You go play basketball and you know very quickly, I am not good at this sport, I am good at this sport. Just because you have a TikTok account and post once a day does not mean that you're good at it. And this is what I want to have this room lead with. As we sit here today, the following platforms are completely underpriced in both their organic reach and their paid media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn. This is profound. All of the platforms are underpriced on their organic reach and their media. What does this mean? How many people here have now gone viral on TikTok. You posted something and it got a million views. Raise your hand, raise it. For the seven, 10 people here that raised their hand, they felt the impact of underpriced organic. They posted something, they had 20 followers, 100 followers, 1,000 followers, they posted something and they got a million views. That is an enormously important thing for this room to talk about. In the history, of marketing, that was never possible. You did not buy a full page ad in the newspaper. You did not buy AdWords on Google. You did not buy a television ad on television and they just miraculously gave you unlimited more awareness for more than you paid for. They didn't just give you 55 newspaper ads because you paid for one, they gave you one. This is why this is so important, a lot of you including myself, grew up in an era where you would amass followers and you would post and you would get a percentage of those followers to see it. It was more, more email marketing than it was social. We are now in the post TikTokification of social media where you can absolutely get way more exposure than you've earned because you don't have to build a list or a community, you just have to make individual pieces of content strong. This has now penetrated every platform. YouTube Shorts is built on this. Maybe some of you saw that Elon posted the other day about you can follow an account with the bell and see every one of their posts. Why is that happening? Because Twitter in the next year will go through the same thing where the majority of your users won't see the post. It's going to be based on the content 
and then many more could see it, whether you have three million followers like I do or you have 670 followers, we're on even playing ground because the content becomes the variable, not your ability to build followers. The reason I'm harping on this in the early part of my talk here at so much scale is because I do not believe people have realized how important this is for their professional businesses. If you are able to leave this talk and start making a commitment to producing content that is valuable for the audience, not for your insecurities or egos. No more posting your watch. More posting things that actually bring value. It will change the dynamics of your business leverage. The more attention and intent to do something with you that you have, the more likely you have leverage with the people that you negotiate every day. Why that really matters to me in the context of this room is this industry outside of me right now, most of you are involved in, is incredible based on who has the leverage of the consumer's attention. There's a reason that there's so much affiliate and CAC and conversion in this business and there's a way for many of the smaller players in this room or the incumbents who charge for it to accelerate. But it has not looked like the way we've done it for the last 15 years. When I talk about posting 15 to 30 times a day, think about what that means for small businesses in this room or two-person teams. It's in theory, a full-time job. When in reality, the issue at hand is if you do not do it, the technology or the person that does have the consumer will continue to charge you more. For example, I understand that outside, the dynamics of affiliate are now 50-50. My question is, if the affiliate says to you tomorrow, it's 75-25 them, what the fuck are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? You're gonna pay. You're right, my friend. You're gonna pay. And so the reason I stand here with a ton of passion is that's not a fun way to be in business. If you are sitting here today and you do not have a relationship with your audience, if you are not the person that they're interested in, then you are vulnerable. Because somebody's gonna sit in between and charge you. And the people that are charging now are small compared to the people that could be charging. Today, we're, playing, we're paying the people that are the biggest companies in there properly. They deserve it. They outflanked, they built, they built attention. Most of them built on the back of Google and other platforms to get that attention. The question becomes, as big tech companies continue to get pressure from the biggest governments in the world, they're gonna have to find more and more profit. Who do you think's gonna pay for that? You. Right now, we are sitting in the crossroads of the way the internet has worked for the last 20 years. The level of naivete that is running around this conference right now in not understanding that if they don't build their brand, if they don't build their relationship, if they don't build equity with the end user, that they can no longer rely on the economics of the intermediary that gives them all their revenue is staggering to me. And I come here with deep passion in this keynote to get people to walk out of here scared 
Because unfortunately, you know, it's unbelievable. It really pisses me off. But people tend to not react to anything other than fear or hope. And for me, I sit here telling you both. I am very motivated by the fact that I could triple or 10x or 50x or 100x what I'm trying to achieve by walking out of here, leaving this conference, and immediately making content on the seven platforms that matter. I'm just aware that that's a very small percentage of the people in this room. When I talk to you about how you make your money through somebody else sending you a customer, and I tell you what's exactly gonna happen over the next five to seven years, and how fast you're gonna get squeezed, not only by the companies that are giving to you now, but by the companies that are giving the companies that are squeezing you their traffic now, you must act on this. You must. This is very, very important. And so, I hope people start taking what I'm talking about dramatically more serious. To me, if I came here and said, hey, social media marketing, it really works, it's a good idea, that's one thing. I don't expect people here to go back home and recalibrate how much money they're spending against it. But when you start realizing it directly is gonna impact your P&L, your profit margins, your day-to-day, it starts becoming a very different conversation. And all of a sudden, the concept of investing in actual people that know how to write, know how to take photos, know how to make videos for these platforms becomes a much bigger conversation. To me, having internal capabilities or external partners producing 15, 30, 50 pieces of content a day for social media across seven platforms is no longer becoming a nice to have, is no longer becoming something you may want to consider. I would rather do that than be good at balancing my checkbook. That's how important this has become. And it is important for every brand in the world, but this industry, and when I say this industry, I mean really iGaming globally and how the whole infrastructure works and how people are getting their customers. I think the clock is gonna strike midnight faster than people think. And I think the percentages of the allocation is gonna go in the refers favor, not the commoditized games favor. And I think you have to move fast on this. And so it's a double-edged sword because there's a lot of people who are on the affiliate side driving traffic. They've gotta get better at their part too because it's just arbitrage. It's just arbitrage all the way through. And so what does this really all mean that's tangible? Couple things. One, understand, under, and this is really interesting because this is such a global uh, audience. The, the level of talent in the following places where the cost for that talent is quite attractive, but the talent of knowing how to make the pictures, videos, and written words for social are very strong are the following. I'm blown away by the talent in Eastern Europe as a whole for the ability to make creative for social. APAC. I think many parts of Southeast Asia, the cost of the talent in return for the video work and the pictures in the written word are incredible. Bless you. For the people in this audience, if you are taking what I'm saying right now seriously, before you go home and make a video, understanding how you're gonna do it sustainably, 
at scale, long-term, is very important. What I believe all of you will face the second you go down that path is you're gonna figure out how to afford it. How are you gonna afford it? And the reason I bring up the talent around the world because this is such a global audience is because there are certain pockets of the world where the creative talent matches the average income and there are some real opportunities and that is the place I would start first. However, for everyone in this room, whether you're a salesperson, whether you're in crypto, whether you do whatever you do, for you to personally take a step back and get educated on what this all means, this will continue to be more and more important. Because you do understand, as AI comes into our world over the next 20 years, a lot of the making of this stuff will become commoditized. But the thinking of the ideas, the setting up of critical thinking of what you're going to make to make people jump in is incredibly important. I'm gonna jump off of this topic for a second, but I'm gonna touch on it with the next thing I'm gonna say. When I think about what are the things that are needed to be successful in life, there's a lot of things that come to mind. A lot of what I think about is self-esteem and genuinely being, you know, in a good place with yourself because you won't put yourself out there at the level you need to if you're insecure. And so I think a lot about self-esteem and self-love and a lot of other stuff. But the word that I wanna talk about that has a lot to do with the first half of this keynote with everybody here is the word curiosity. The thing that I would ask so many people to ask themselves about where they are in their own journey of curiosity is very important because of what's looming in our society. What I just talked about was a very narrow thing in marketing that I know would impact every single person here, which is why I chose to speak about it because I want this to be as valuable to every person here as possible. The mental human perspective that I would ask everybody to really lean into here and ask themselves where they are is the word curiosity. And let me tell you why. I think everybody here can probably sense that this Web 3.0, last year we, we defined Web 3.0 as crypto and NFTs. But I, I challenge that concept and I say, let's take a step back and realize Web 3.0 probably encompasses a lot more things. For me personally, it encompasses AR. For me personally, it even encompasses something that's been around for a long time, like QR codes, because I think it's a new functionality in pipes that matters for everyone here. It definitely involves VR, and we know that, and it clearly involves AI, which is gonna be such a big deal. Why I'm very passionate for everyone to lean into curiosity here is, by even being at this conference, every human here is much further along in where the world's going than their contemporaries. However, we, me included, we're very stuck in what we're doing right now. Meanwhile, this is probably the biggest era of change coming up since the invention of the iPhone accelerated social media in a profound way. I have a feeling that a lot of people here, you're not sure exactly every aspect, none of us are, 
but I have a feeling everybody can feel here that the next 20 years, shit's gonna look a little bit different. That between AI and AR and VR and decentralized servers, like it just feels like it's not the status quo that the last 15 years are. In that will be some of the biggest opportunities that you will ever see in your entire life. In this next era, like my life changed when it was changing with social media and the iPhone in that 2005, six, seven, eight, nine era, it's very clear, and I have a feeling a lot of people here can sense it, that these next six or seven years, there's just gonna be a lot of opportunity, a lot of craziness. We saw it last year with NFT land. At you know, the first half of the year, I'm like, yay, yay, yay. The second half of the year, all my videos were 99% of these are going to zero because everybody got so crazy and they let greed take over. That still doesn't mean that decentralized servers aren't gonna be a dramatic part of our lives. Just because the value of collectibles collapsed doesn't mean NFTs are not gonna be, and smart contracts are not gonna be a meaningful part of our world. The same thing happened with Web 1.0. In 1997 and 1998, every internet company that went public was worth a billion dollars with zero revenue. All of those stocks collapsed, but it didn't mean that the internet was not gonna be one of the biggest inventions of our time. That's just blockchain. That's not even mentioning what's going on in AI. And in the last year, everybody here has been affected and blown away by Jasper or Midjourney or ChatGPT. All of us have tasted real AI, not fake AI like we were for the last seven years. And it really caught everyone's attention. These things are gonna converge together at scale. And so I ask all of you, please do not leave this conference without asking yourself, how curious are you? You know how many of you here have opinions about AI, yet you've never spent 50 hours really using it? You know how many people here have opinions about everything that's going on in new technology, yet it's because your friend told you or you read two articles, you didn't have the curiosity to go all in. You lead with no, sometimes you lead with yes, but very few lead with maybe. If you lead with anything from this talk, given how young this audience is, if you can fall in love with the concept of maybe, when faced with somebody telling you something you've never heard about before, or something new in your journey, which will be consistent for the rest of our lives with technology, if you meet that new genre, that new platform, that new technology with the concept of maybe, you will have a much greater chance to get out of the world what you want. And so I argue at scale that one of the biggest things to lean into within your own body going into the next decade is finding out for yourself, with yourself, where do you sit with curiosity? Are you a curious person or are you not? And how do you develop more curiosity? For me, the way I built more curiosity was I started surrounding myself with people that were more curious. And so I challenge you to really think about this because it will really matter. Tying this all back before we go into the Q&A here right now is a really important reality for everyone here, which is 
at a conference like this, the number one ROI is not a keynote like this. It is not the booth. The number one ROI of a conference like this is the people that are sitting to the left and right and front and back of you that you've never met in your life. When people ask me things like, hey, like, break it down for me. Why did things work for you? What worked? I think about a lot of things, work ethic, like a lot of stuff that I'm sure you've heard a million times. But one thing that always comes up that I don't think people think enough about is I did a very good job in this exact setting when I was doing what you're doing right now in 2005, six, and seven, when I wasn't on stage, when I was trying to come and learn. And I had the self-confidence of being able to network because I love people and I wasn't offended if someone did not want to speak to me. I didn't have the ego. I had the humility to be able to have somebody say no or look at my badge and see, you know, back then my badge said wine library. So most people looked, they didn't say Google or Microsoft and they had no interest in talking to me. That was their fucking mistake. So I ask you, when I go on this little three minute rant and try to encourage all of you to get high value out of this conference, which is, I hope there was one to three things I said that might put you into action. Everything I said, I really believe in so much. And I do believe they're two of the most important things you can be thinking about right now. But I promise you, whether I started you on the path of curiosity, whether I said something compelling where you realize it's fucking time to finally get serious, about social media, creative, and media, neither will be as important as what I'm finishing with here is now. For as long as you decide to stay at this conference for the rest of this conference, the, and I know a lot of you are introverted. I know a lot of you are introverted, I get it. But if you can push yourself to literally say hello to people, my random hellos led to me being an early investor in Twitter at South by Southwest. I mean it. Hello to one person, you should know my person, and that's how I met Blaine Cook. Four people deep. I knew nobody at South by Southwest 2006. No one. I said hello to someone, they were nice, we talked about Twitter, they said this, we met another guy, another gal, and she said, oh, my friend Blaine Cook is the CTO of Twitter. Do you wanna go get tacos with him? And I said, fuck yes. And those tacos led to a relationship and then when he left the company and he wanted to sell his shares, I was the first person he called. There's a million, trillion, quadrillion versions of the story that I just told you and I just, I just imperatively push you to get out of your comfort zone or more importantly, a lot of you are very extroverted but much like content where you only post one a day, you may only say hello to one new face a day at this conference instead of 87. And so, please, for this conference, which is clearly buzzing and very vibrant, and kudos to the organizers, and every conference you do going forward, there is never anything on stage more interesting than the six relationships that you can leave the conference with. And so I implore you, after this talk, to meet as many people here as possible while you're here. Thank you.
Awesome. I want as much Q&A as possible. Let's do it. Is AI going to wipe out a lot of jobs? Look, I think everyone here is going to hear unlimited articles and TV programs and conversations around AI taking jobs. You know what else took jobs? This. This took a lot of jobs. You know what else took jobs? The car. You know what took a fuckload of jobs? Tractors. At the time the tractors were invented, most people worked on farms. There's always gonna be new innovation. I do think we live in a world right now that demonizes technology, unlike 15 years ago where we heralded it. So I do think there'll be some pushback. The problem is technology never cares what humans think of it. It will always win in the end. So I think you're absolutely right. The outcome will be inevitable. Communication, the news, social media people can slow it down from mass adoption, but it's not gonna stop it. There's been more advancements on NFTs and blockchain in the last six months, regardless of how many people are pumping it on Twitter. Technology is technology. So you'll just have to have a little patience if the communication and headlines are not in your favor. And there will be people that demonize it, but there will be a whole other sector that knows how profound it is. And many people here are going to find themselves full-time in AI businesses in the next 20 years. Hello. What excites you about Web 3.0? What excites me is decentralized servers are profound. It is a profound knowledge. It's true. It's a profound technology. So much like 1996, how many people here are over the age of 45? Raise your hand. Great. So there's like 20 of us. Hey kids, there's 20 of us. There's 20 of us that remember in 1998 and 1999 that nobody we knew was willing to put a credit card into the internet because they were scared their credit card number would get stolen and they'd be ruined. That is not something anyone in this room under the age of 30 has even thought about once in their life. Decentralized servers are a profound technology. Smart contracts that no one has control of is a profound technology. Last year's explosion and decline of collectibles built on that has no impact on that inevitable outcome. The reason I love Web3 is because it's inevitable. The reason I'm interested in Web3 is because everyone on Earth in 15 years will actively be interacting with decentralized servers at scale. The reason I'm interested in Web3 is I'm 47 and on my 57th birthday, a stunning percentage of human beings on Earth will be interacting with smart contracts on decentralized servers. So. That's where I'm at with that. As far as the next three to five years, I think you're gonna see people create a lot of things that eliminate the friction that keeps so many people away from Web3. People buying something for $2,000 and then it goes up as a collectible to 10,000 and they're excited and then it gets stolen from them because they clicked one button, scares 99.9% .9 of the world. So right now we have too much friction. Everybody loves the wild, wild west until they're the one that gets shot. And so we're calibrating this new world. I think people are gonna figure it out over time. I think it's gonna be easier. 
Nobody wants to remember a fucking seed phrase and connect a wallet and a click. It's just too complicated for the masses. But so is the internet. Again, for the 20 year olds and 30 year olds in here, people thought having an email was complicated. They did. They thought it was complicated. I was there. I was trying to get people to sign up for my email newsletter and they're like, can you just send me a catalog in the mail? I'm like, no motherfucker. It's 1999. And so it just is gonna be time. But I think the next three to five years we'll be building products and services that eliminate the friction for eight million people to interact with decentralized servers. How are you utilizing ChatGPT? I'm aware that you and many other people have started to build data sets around all the words that I've said and written. We, we've done the same and have started that process. I'm not in a place where I'm using AI for my content yet today. I am building insular, closed data sets because what I'm really worried about with AI right now creatively is copyright and trademark, right? Like, we don't really know the source of the images, so we want to use it for our agency, but we can't because I can't put myself in a vulnerable spot with Pepsi or my clients because I don't know where the data's coming from. But to your point, with all my words and videos, it's me. There's, you know, it's really funny. There's a video I have that's never been published where I talk about why I started Daily V and why DRock started to film me 24 seven. And it was based on the fact that I believed long term it was gonna be the data set that built my AI reality. And so I'm sitting on more information than most because filming 12 hours a day of a human being who talks 10 hours a day is just a lot of content over a seven year period. You from the outside have been able to, so I think a lot of people here are gonna go through that journey the next 20, 30 years. I haven't started. We've started building the pipes and the infrastructure for us to do it because it's ready now. And so I think in the next year or so, a lot of the content will be coming from those sources. And so I'm excited to learn. I learned by doing and so one of the biggest reasons I'm doing it is to learn so that I can then put out information to help others. What is your POV on social media algorithm changes? My point of view on social media content is everything will always have a place if you're good at it. Meaning, short form video will forever be a way humans want to consume. So will long form video. I love when everyone was like five years ago, oh, now that everything is like TikTok and 30 seconds, nobody's gonna watch movies anymore, it's too long. And I would just laugh and I was like, that is so naive. Not only do we watch movies, we watch nine hours straight of Netflix if we like the show, we'll binge watch the whole damn day. So we will continue to watch long form. When I was writing all those books and I was Mr. Digital, everybody would make fun of me. They're like, hey, you believe in the internet so much, why the fuck are you writing books? And my answer would be, because people read them. Just because we are reading unlimited stuff on iPhones doesn't mean that people aren't reading books. This is a very progressive crowd. How many people here have read a book in the last year? Raise your hand. High, raise it high. The biggest problem with the world is the world is obsessed with or. The biggest problem in the world 
is that the world is obsessed with or. All of my professional success and all of my personal happiness is based on the fact that I'm obsessed with and. So, to answer your question, I think reels, short form video, will have a very good life. I think the written word, I think pictures, I think carousel, I think green screen, they all can work. What you're referring to is when platforms are testing new content formats, they will give it a short term window, three months, two weeks, 10 months, to see if it's working. So they will push more of that format of organic reach than the incumbent. The incumbent still works. I had my most successful TikTok in six months two days ago because it was good. It's just harder. It's all supply and demand. The reason that short form video is getting harder is not just carousels, it's more people are making short form video. Five years ago, how many people here followed me five years ago? Raise your hand. Thank you. So all of you that raised your hand, you were there when I was like musically TikTok, musically TikTok, right? You were there. You also know that most of you didn't do anything about it because you decided it was for 15 year old girls that were dancing and you were building your list on Instagram and you didn't wanna do both. You were too busy on one. So I think what happens is there's more people making short form video now because now everyone's figured it out. The problem is when everyone figures it out, the supply goes up. There's only so much attention, so it gets fragmented. But I'm very bullish on short form video because it's just the way that humans will always consume content. It's declining in nuances. There are people that are growing. There are accounts that are growing. It's that when there's an overall decline in the short term, you've got to adjust. I'll give you an example. If somebody raised their hand right now and said, Gary, I love you, but I'm not making 30 pieces of content. I can't do it. But I'm gonna make three pieces of content. Where should I make it? The answer I would tell everybody here would shock you. I would say Facebook Reels. Facebook Reels. I haven't recommended Facebook as the primary place to make content since 2015. But the reality is Facebook Reels right now because there's still so many people consuming, but so many people left and aren't making, the supply and demand is off and the opportunity is profound. So, what I would say to you is things have been flow. What works today may not work tomorrow, but what worked yesterday may work tomorrow. And what you have to do is be obsessed every day on something that I call PAC, P-A-C. Platforms and culture. If you are obsessed every day of what the platforms are doing, how it's changing, what's happening, and you are obsessed with culture, what beverages are working, what fashion is working, which artists and athletes matter, what shoe style matters, are we wearing tight jeans or baggy jeans, where are the cool places, what are the beverages of choice, what is the culture doing, what is popular culture doing. If you obsess over those two things, you will consistently over-index in the production of content. What is your POV on AI bias? It's a great question. I think everything is bias. Right? Like, what's not bias? Every single person in this room's opinions were based on bias. Your parents' bias, your best friend's bias, the media's bias, social media's bias, your idol's bias, the music you listen to biased, 
video games bias, the country you live in bias. Like this concept that AI is gonna be biased and this is gonna fuck us up, humans are biased. What's happening right now in, in, on, in, on Earth is that people are just coming to their senses around some truths that haven't been modern conversations. And I think we're demonizing everything. I'm, so, I'm a very happy person because of my bias. My mother is an incredibly profound, all-time great human being who's extremely positive, wildly loving, loves everybody, and I'm the byproduct of her bias. So bias can be good. And so, you know, what am I doing about it? I was born in the USSR. I grew up in America in the 80s. Those are two very different worlds during a time of high conflict. I was trained, brought up, and lived in a place since I was 10 years old, seven years old. I've taken everything with a grain of salt. I've never listened to what my teachers said fully. I've never listened to what my parents said fully. I never listened to anything fully. What I've been is as thoughtful as possible in everything that I've consumed. It's time and it will happen and it's happening. We're all gonna have to do that. When I punch in shit into Jack GPT, I take the fucking answer with a grain of fucking salt. Just like I do when I watch CNN or Fox News or listen to what I'm listening to in my hotel room here or wherever I am in the world. We need to be thoughtful, but we don't need to be cynical. The biggest problem with the world right now is everyone's cynical. Everyone's cynical to AI. They're looking for the problem versus looking for the solution. This is not gonna be solved by us technology programming it to not be biased. It'll always be biased because we're biased. What we need to educate people on is to be thoughtful. We need to be taught to be thoughtful. We also desperately need to be taught to be optimistic because way too many people are pessimistic now. You were the one who first thrashed Blackberry on television. <laughs> you have done all of the stuff that at one point of time we said, you know what, guys, crazy. No, it's not going to happen. But you proved everyone wrong and you nailed every prediction, or rather almost every, every prediction of yours. You know why? I don't predict. I've never predicted anything in my life. All I do is observe quickly. I stay curious and do everything. And I watch the truth and then I talk about it. When I said, hey, this NFT thing is gonna go well right now, it's because people were buying them. Not because I thought they were buying them. The reason I said that 99% was going to zero was the behavior was based on greed, not based on community. And so, if you're good at observing people and you don't try to guess, you just talk about what's happening, it will always work out. It's why my talk for the first 25 minutes here was very important. I was watching everyone. I'm telling you right now, 98% of this room did not grasp what I was talking about for the first 20 minutes. I promise. But it's not because of anything other than for 15 years, social media has been a big part of all of our lives. It's just changed at a time that really matters. And so it's hard to grasp when something's changing, but if, the reason this has worked for me is I don't guess. Everything I talked about for the first 25 minutes has happened for the last 18 months. What upcoming trends do you see in Web3 and what is going away? As far as Web3, I think it's similar to what I said over here. I think the next year or two is gonna be very boring and I'm excited about that. A lot of people got burned, a lot of people are like, fuck that. 
This is where real builders build real infrastructure. And so I think the next 24 months is gonna be eliminating the friction for the next wave. I think going out of fashion, the only thing I can see going out of fashion that's very black and white to me is advertising on television. The idea of running television commercials in 2023 on network or cable networks at the price that's associated with it is one of the great farces of all business. And I think with connected TV and the streaming services, in the next five years, the biggest brands in the world are gonna wake up and realize that they're throwing money directly in the trash. And that's why I want everyone here to move fast. Because when I tell you to make 30 pieces of content and run ads on this, this is all happening before Coca-Cola and Emirates and BMW come in. Because the second they come in, they're gonna fill the pot. All of us combined, making 30 pieces of content a day is a blimp compared to Coca-Cola understanding what I'm saying, making 80,000 pieces of content a day. And with AI coming, that's gonna become a realistic thing. So that's what I see. What are your tips for building a community? Every piece of content that I've ever made, I've always asked, why would that be good for you? All my friends ask me why I make content differently than they want me to. My friends who know that I came from little and I live the life now, they want me to post something bougie. They want me to post a watch. They want me to post a car. They want me to post a plane. They're like, why don't you do that? I'm like, because it brings no value to anyone. When somebody posts a plane, a picture of them on a private plane, what the fuck does that do for you? Nothing, zero. And so for me, the way I built a community by spending the last 17 years making content that actually brought value to people instead of bringing value to me. For a new community builder, thank you by the way, for a new community builder, I would do the same thing. Everybody here has massive value to bring to the world. I mean that. Most people are not willing to be vulnerable enough or honest enough or authentic enough to be able to get it out of them. Most people want to front. Most people want to project something. If everyone here talked about their true skills, their true passions, or their true challenges, they'd be able to be a community builder. You've gotta build content that matters, nothing else matters. How do you see the education system evolving? The, the education question is a humongous challenge because I believe in education the most. Education is what makes the world go round. Education is what we're doing right now. The way education is sold by schools around the world is I have a real problem with. I think you're giving your friends very good advice. Memorizing information to regurgitate a month later on a test is the craziest shit that I've ever heard of. When you said everyone has good grades, I was laughing. I had very bad grades my whole life because watching all the schools around the world ban chat GPT is so devastating to me. They would rather have kids memorize things that they could look up on the internet in one second than to teach critical thinking. The reason AI is gonna be so profound is it's going to teach critical thinking. You have to put something in the AI for something to come out. You have to put something in that matters for something to come out that matters. 
we have a chance to teach these young kids around the world right now actual critical thinking. The actual critical thinking that is actually how life works, and yet we're banning it throughout the world. I think my answer to the question is I think every 15 year old should ditch school every day, not just when Gary Vee's is down. It's really a shame that schools around the world use education as the disguise for what they're actually doing. They're not teaching education, not in the 2023 world. It mattered in 1967 the way we were taught. It's crazy to me watching my children and other children go through school and seeing what's actually being done from Dubai to Moscow to New York City to Stockholm. And it's, it's absolutely that. It's so ludicrous. It's really too bad. Um, meanwhile, the amount of good information available to the world is at record levels today. It's just hard to decipher it. And because we're not teaching kids in school how to decipher and how to think critically, they're just falling for the last headline that they read because that's what you're being taught in school. All right, I think that's good. One more, one more, one more. What data would be okay to collect regarding privacy? What's really interesting is the promise of Web3, decentralized servers, is servers that are not owned by anybody. In essence, once the world understands that, your hypothesis in 35 years is a profoundly big company. Because the truth is, if it's on a decentralized server, not on a centralized server, everybody here will act the way they did in 2007 on Facebook, which is give all of its information, because back then we didn't know and we didn't care. In 30 years, we'll know and care, which is what's gonna lead us to Web3 decentralized servers, not Web2 centralized servers. So what do I think people will share? Everything, if they think no one can take anything from it. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Thank, you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, really. Thank you so much for listening to that entire episode. We want to remind you to give Gary feedback, so make sure you tweet him at Gary V. But if you're listening on Spotify, you can drop your comments, questions, and anything in between in the Spotify Q&A section down below. We'll see you in the next episode.